Hey everyone, are you guys ready? Um, much to talk about. I'm watching all kinds of people on the app and all kinds of people on YouTube. Uh, thanks for joining us, joining me. Um, man, what a wild set of things that are going on in the world right now. And I thought how appropriate, just looking the other day at the message for right now, uh, so I titled this out of the first message we have in Daniel. We're starting the book of Daniel. In uh, Daniel chapter 1, we're only going to get through the first four verses. So the title is, as you can see in the descriptions online, it's happening again. And what's happening again? Uh, the whole thing is going down. It is uh, truly, I will say this, that as I'm looking at everything going on right now, that I have never been as troubled as I am now, not just because of bank runs and other stuff that's going on. I, I am sensing an urgency that is nowhere near. Uh, I've never been anywhere near this before. And I'm also very concerned for uh, everybody to be uh, mostly spiritually prepared, but you get your head screwed on straight, mentally, emotionally prepared. Um, like there's stuff going on and just watching it, um, it's, it's, uh, it's you, 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 we need to be ready. Uh, so we're going to look at some things from Daniel chapter 1, because what's really interesting, just looking at my notes from just a, uh, over the last hour and looking at Daniel chapter 1 and realizing um, how indeed it's happening again. And uh, we're going to look at what was going on then, and we're going to look at where we are right now, and uh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Hey, a couple of things coming up this week. Uh, Jan Markell uh, is tomorrow with me, and then I'm going to be in Minnesota with Jan Markell and Mark Henry uh, this Thursday evening. So if you're in the Revive Brooklyn Park area, I hope that you can join us. It's going to be a great time. I'd love to meet you. On Tuesday, Lee Brainerd is going to be joining me. In fact, just about five minutes ago, Lee pointed out to me that there's a fake Twitter account out there uh, with me, uh, uh, Tom Hughes 103 And uh, if we get any more information on that, just, just keep it in mind. You know, there's, there's crooks and thieves out there all over the place. So thanks, Lee. So Lee will be joining me on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, uh, this is uh, somebody that you guys have been asking for for a long time, finally going to happen. This Wednesday, uh, Pastor Brett Metter from up in Oregon, Athey Creek, is joining me, and I am really excited. So I just, you know, I just thank the Lord for the different people that he uh, connects me and us with that uh, we get to do these programs with. It's very cool. By the way, if you're on the app, you want to chat, you just got to do the uh, uh, create an account. Uh, it's just by entering your email, then you can chat with us. Um, and uh, so... Looking forward to, to taking off. We're going to have a great time. Uh, then who on Wednesday? I think I said uh, Pookie. I already said who on Wednesday. Brett Metter. Thank you, Lisa T., for letting Pookie know. Pookie, you should be paying attention. So there. Okay. Brett Metter's Wednesday. Lee Brainer's Tuesday. Um, Monday, tomorrow, Jam Markell. I also have midweek coming up. And what a wild set of things are happening. All right. Uh, let's get going. So as so we look at the book of Daniel, um, uh, no, 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 no. Let's go here first. Check this out, all right? I got to get, let's deal with the elephant in the room first. So check this out. Okay, here. I don't know, most of you probably heard this by now, but Jane Fonda says pro-lifers need to be murdered for their beliefs on abortion. Now, I had to look at this guy. This has got to be fake news or something like that. It's real. She really did say it. In fact, she even doubled down saying that. Hanoi, jo uh, Hanoi Jane, you know, as is, is, uh, many of us remember her. Um, <laughs> let's murder you for saying that children should live. Wow! But this is the pedophilia murdering society of American culture that we have, which we're going to be dealing with tonight. They, they, that, that's where they were uh, back at the time of Daniel when Nebuchadnezzar was used by the Lord to judge ancient Judah because of the wickedness of the king. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go there. Okay, check this out. Uh, this is uh, this is out of this is uh, Michael Snyder. Widespread civil unrest is suddenly erupting all over the globe. Now, as we go through a little bit of Daniel tonight, just remember the words of Jesus. What did he say? 
one of the signs of his coming is that lawlessness would abound, the love of many would grow cold. I mean, think of Jane Fonda, what she say, uh, if you support babies being born, you should be murdered. That is, that's, that is definitely uh, the love of many growing cold. Then we look at this, uh, same, same passage, um, lawlessness will abound. So eruption all over the world. Okay, check this out now, right? This is the elephant in the room. This is Zero Hedge. We've, we've all been aware of this. Uh, Zero Hedge says the bank run genie is out of the bottle. I love how this is put together over on end time headlines to really help us see uh, this. Uh, dominoes are falling, Silicon Valley bank fallout spreading around the world from uh, London to Singapore. Um, let me talk about this for just a minute. This is going to be uh, ongoing. I've been also reading today that the Biden administration is going to get involved by Monday and make sure that everybody doesn't lose everything to stop people from doing bank runs. Um, is this the catalyst? Is, the, is this the beginning of it? Well, well, we'll probably know within a few days on that. But everything I read says, listen, we go up to uh, the next several months we're going to start to see more that is going to happen. We're going to start to see more negative effects as we, we, we uh, get closer um, to uh, the, all of the dominoes falling, as, as End Time Headlines points out. Um, but bank runs can easily happen. I mean, bank runs start with fear. People are saying, hey, if uh, uh, my money is going to be wiped out, they start raiding their bank. Listen, from everything I understand, if more than 1% of the people go and take their money out of the bank, banks are going to fail for the way that banks are run. So you're know, looking at this going, okay, it could, it could happen if enough people become afraid. Listen, if the globalists want it to happen, this is going to happen. If they want to wait a little bit longer because their digital currency and digital IDs aren't quite ready yet in order to enslave you and trap you in, then it's going to be held off a little bit longer. Kick the can down the road. Uh, keep the people calm until the time is right, and then maybe it's going to happen. Listen, something else to keep in mind as you look at this with the Silicon Valley Bank and the real threat, the threat of economic catastrophe. Listen, it's huge. We know Revelation chapter 6 with the rider on the black horse, the third horse of the apocalypse. We know that there's a planned economic collapse that is coming. We see it. We can feel it based on everything that we read, but we can see it in the Bible. So we can see it's coming, but it will not come to that extent until Jesus says, okay, let me remove that seal. Let me take off the restraints from this, and then boom, baby, it's going to hit. In fact, if you think about it this way, just with the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, and the pale horse, listen, the red horse um, uh, was... a uh, a uh, sword, a great sword was given to it to keep, uh, to take peace from the earth. The white horse ish ushers in this, this uh, pseudo peace, this fake peace, goes out conquering and to conquer. Um, so right now, the, we don't have this massive war breaking up, but you guys can watch Russia, you can watch Ukraine, watch the Biden administration. We're dumping millions and if not, uh, you know, just billions, excuse me, billions and billions of dollars in Ukraine. Uh, we have uh, Europe. We've got the situation, uh, the tenseness with China and t uh, Taiwan, now Japan. Listen, we are living, I want you to think about this, in the time of wars and rumors of wars. And then, of course, Iran and Israel, which if we have time, we'll talk about that uh, tonight too. Um, if not, we'll definitely get into that during the, the week. But we, everything's being held back, it, but you can tell everything's about ready to blow from the massive mega wars, the rider on the red horse, to the economic collapse. It's like God is holding it back, and then all of a sudden he's going to release. The restraints are going to be gone. He's going to remove the seals, uh, the, the, the seals on the scroll. Uh, Revelation chapter 6, the seals are going to be removed. And then the pale horse ride. And um, listen, I have, I have many people, some colleagues that say, hey, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are already riding. Listen, they're not riding yet. Um, they're getting ready to. I'm telling you, they, they, they are getting ready to. I remember years ago, Tim LaHaye saying, the horses are in the gates. Man, the horse may have been in the gates. This is the way I look at it. The, the bells rung and, um, and the gates have already come up and they're just getting ready to launch. And for some reason, the Lord's holding the back from just launching. 
but we live in interesting times. But we're going to get to Daniel here in just a second. Um, again, things are happening back then at the time of Daniel. They're happening again, and we're going to get into some areas that are going to connect. You're going to go, oh, wow. Uh, oh, oh, wow. So we'll be there in just a minute. One more thing I want to get to, uh, and it is this. Don't misunderstand what's going on, right? This is out of Times of Israel. It's been all over the place, actually, and I'm sure most of you have seen it. Many people have sent this to me. Iran and Saudi Arabia restore ties after years of tensions. This is most interesting. Uh, Saudi Arabia is, is, is restoring ties with everybody or trying to have ties with everybody, including Israel. But what makes this one most interesting, Iran and Saudi Arabia restoring ties after years of tensions, is that people who don't rightly understand the battle of Ezekiel chapter 38 will look at that and say, see, Iran and Saudi Arabia are friends. There's no Ezekiel 38 battle. Actually, it's exactly the opposite. This is... This is like, a, it's like, this has the wow factor. It's like, okay, in Ezekiel chapter 38, Saudi Arabia is surprised when Iran comes against Israel. Why? Uh, many have speculated. I have some friends that speculated over the last several months saying, hey, Iran and Saudi Arabia, they were already suspecting they were going to link uh, and become uh, some kind of, enter into some kind of friendly agreements. Um, and because of that, they would be surprised, uh, as Ezekiel 38 teaches, protesting Iran when they come with Russia against Israel. Why would you do that? We have an agreement together. Friends, this just shouts how close we are to all of the events uh, pointing to the second coming of Christ really are. Uh, unbelievable. However, I'm going to tell you this. The Ezekiel 38 battle is not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Because when it does happen, Israel... Uh, will also be surprised. Right now, Israel would not be surprised with anything coming from Iran, with anything coming from Russia. They would not be surprised. Uh, but when that battle does take place, they're surprised. So something else is going to happen with Israel. It could be uh, the, the uh, Israel taking out the nuclear capabilities of Iran, which I personally think is going to happen. Um, but then after that, Israel, there's, there's peace. Uh, there's happiness. There's tranquility that sits in over the Middle East between Iran, between Saudi Arabia, between Israel, the whole thing. Uh, you could totally see that happening if Israel uh, takes out nuclear capabilities of Iran. So I'm watching it. Things are shaping up. Things are remarkable. Keeping in mind also that in Ezekiel 38, God says, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws to Gog, the leader of Magog, Russia and turn you around uh, and bring you into the land, the land of Israel. And, you know, Russia's just pushing, 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 you know, the whole Ukraine thing. Is that what God's speaking about when he says, I'm going to turn you around and pull you down? So we have very interesting dynamics taking place right now. And again, don't be alarmed by the bank run. Folks, we are watching, but be steadfast in your mind and in your heart. Be ready. We're going to connect some dots here with Daniel here in just a second. I'll give you some facts so we, we have some uh, meat of the word. Uh, and um, just, just be spiritually set. Be strong in the Lord. Don't, don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Let me, i got to silence my phone here. Um, don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. But recognize what the Lord is doing. Everything is going to happen exactly as God says it would. And we are watching everything converge all at the same time. So be strong in the Lord in that. Don't turn from this. Don't turn to the left or the right. And let's get going with uh, the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 in just a second. Uh, so keep in mind Daniel is a powerful book. Uh, Daniel is a prophetic book. And this is what Daniel does. Daniel is going to give us strength for today. Why? Because by faith, we trust his word. And the things that we read about in Daniel and the dots we're going to connect with so many other places in the Old Testament and New Testament will give us the aha moments. They'll, they'll, be able to, they'll be able to strengthen us. Okay, okay God said this was going to happen. God said that would happen. And just as we're going to see here in a few minutes... As, as judgment came upon Judah and Jerusalem, and the reasons why, we're going to get into them, the biblical reasons why, you're going to go, oh, okay. Now, yeah, I do see that happening. 
Um, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you strength for today. It's going to give you faith looking forward to knowing that you're going to go home and be with the Lord one day, and you're going to be okay uh, through all of the uh, process. Um, Daniel's going to give us the understanding for what is coming in the near future, also the prophetic future. Uh, one of the uh, chapters in Daniel that is very enlightening is chapter 2. We're not going to be there today. We'll be there in a couple of weeks. In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He wants the interpretation, like, so we'll get into that later. But a verse that's in Daniel chapter 2 that is so interesting, it's in verse 43, and it says this, uh, Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Let me tell you, Daniel chapter 2, verse 43, has got all kinds of people thinking in the prophecy world, okay, they'll talk about Nephilim, they'll talk, okay, is this machines, we have Neuralink, we have AI, now we got ChatGPT, got all of these things. Whatever it is that's talking about here in chapter 2, verse 43, and I'll try to give you all the different interpretations and scenarios as we look at the world today when we get there. Um, if this is machines, just something to think about. If talking about machines like Neuralink or something like that where we have this implant of AI, we're not meant to be this way, right? God has created us in, as individuals. So when you mix a machine and man together, is that what's going on in chapter 2, verse 43? Uh, again, let me read it to you. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Very interesting, but I'm going to save my assessments for that and others too. I'll give you uh, various uh, uh, thoughts on what that is about. So uh, we're going to get there. Daniel's such an exciting book. Uh, think of this. The prophet Daniel, let's get some facts here, lived in the 6th century B.C., before the birth of Jesus. During this approximate period, here's some other things that were going on in the world. Construction began on the Acropolis in Athens. I've seen the Acropolis in Athens on a Footsteps of Paul trip I took one time, pretty cool. Uh, the Mayan civilization flourished in Mexico. I've seen that too. Um, in fact, I've had the opportunity over the last uh, three years to meet some uh, modern-day Mayans and, and, uh, <laughs> that know the Lord Jesus. Totally, totally cool. Um, uh, Aesop wrote his fables during the same time period that Daniel is writing the book of Daniel. Confucius and Buddha lived. Greek art began to ex uh, truly excel. The Greeks introduced the olive tree to Italy. Pretty interesting. The Phoenicians made the first known sea journey around Africa. Um, so when, so just some kind of cool things as you start collect, uh, connecting the dots on what was going on at the same time. Also, we're going to see here in a minute, Jehoiakim is the king of Judah at this time. Jehoiakim was placed on the throne by Pharaoh of Egypt. And uh, at the time, when we're also see when Nebuchadnezzar uh, was the ruler of the Babylonian Empire. Now, Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem because the pharaoh of Egypt uh, invaded Babylon. So what's Nebuchadnezzar do? Say, oh yeah, that's what you're going to do? So part of the reason now, God's saying, hey, because of your sin, I'm going to bring Nebuchadnezzar against Judah. But what Nebuchadnezzar was doing, he was coming against pharaoh of Egypt and his appointed king, Jewish king, Jehoiakim, who was wicked, and Jehoiakim had given his allegiance to this foreign king, the pharaoh of Egypt, tax money was going to him and the whole bit. So, so Nebuchadnezzar says, uh, I'm, I'm going to deal with Egypt, and I'm going to deal with these other people over here, and guess what? I'm going to be dealing with these people of Judah. I'm going to be dealing with Jehoiakim. He's an evil king. His allegiance is, is to Pharaoh, and uh, we're going to deal with this problem that we have with Jehoiakim. And ultimately, it was God who was sovereign in that process of, um, of having Nebuchadnezzar, his tool that he used in order to judge Judah and Jerusalem. We're going to see why again in just a minute. Now, also, you're going to notice this. It says in the, here in Daniel chapter 1 
that the events that Daniel's writing about took place, this part, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim. Now, this might seem like a contradiction or a problem because in Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 2, Jeremiah writes, it was the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim. So is Daniel wrong? There's many people out there that say, hey, Daniel's not legit. Um, it was written after the fact. That's the only way it could have been so accurate with the prophecies about the Greek empire and so forth. And there's just no way. It, it's kind of a hoax book. And they write it off. And they'll use something like that. So, so Daniel says, chapter 1, third year of Jehoiakim, Jeremiah 46, verse 2 says, the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim. Which one is it? Well, here's the reality of it. Uh, Daniel uh, would have reckoned the years of the kings uh, based upon the Babylonian uh, time frame. Daniel is Babylonian. By the time he sits down to write this, he's been captive for quite some time. The first year in Babylonian uh, processes the, the first year of a king's reign began at the start of the calendar year after he took the throne. Um, so Jeremiah, uh, and Jeremiah used the Jewish method. It was customary, as John Walvoord says, for the Babylonians to consider the first year of a king's reign as the year of accession and to call the next year the first year. And having spent most of his life in Babylon, it's only natural that Daniel should use a Babylonian form of chronology. So that would help uh, understanding why Daniel says the third year, Jeremiah says the fourth year, because the first year with the Babylonian reckoning, uh, the year of ascension, it's this, actually the second year that we would term, and the Jews would say, uh, the Babylonians say the next year was actually their first year. So, but, but the book of Daniel gets attacked uh, probably more than any other book in the Bible, but we're going to work through that as we go through things. Right now, we're only looking at the first four verses. Um, lots to talk about here, and then I want to get to your questions. So you all ready? Daniel chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says here, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, just dealt with that, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So again, Jehoiakim was, a painted, uh, was appointed king by Pharaoh of Egypt. The third year of his reign, according to the Babylonian reckoning, Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, verse 2, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, uh, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. So Shinar over there in Babylon, uh, that's what's happening here. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs. I'm going to get into the subject of eunuchs because let me tell you, folks, this totally relates to where we are today. It was a mind game. It's a brainwashing thing. It's a, it's a, it's a subjecting the people to the authorities. You're, you're going to connect these in a few minutes. You're going to go, that's why this is happening. Yeah, that is why this is happening. So again, verse 3, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel uh, and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. All right, we're going to see next time four men are singled out. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Or Daniel and their uh, Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We'll get into that next time. But uh, got through that and says, okay, bring me some men, smart good-looking, smarter than the rest of them, and they're going to serve well in the, in the ways of uh, Babylon, and we want them to be taught all the ways of the Chaldeans, including their language. We're going to take these Jewish, these Hebrew guys, we're going to transform their mind, and uh, we're going to completely transform culture. No longer are they going to be wanting their Hebrew God we're going to deal with them. Well, it didn't go exactly the way that Nebuchadnezzar wanted it to, but nevertheless, uh, we're going to work through that process. So let's see here. First thing we notice is, number one, don't forget this, it's when kings of God were evil. 
So here, what do we have here? Uh, we have Jehoiakim. He's this Jewish king. He is an evil king, and he wasn't the only evil king. Uh, so let's work through this, and you're going to start to say, now I get it, I get today. What happened before, I tell you, it's happening again. You ready? Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. A um, little bit of uh, background. We're going to get through the application for today in just a few more minutes. But let's build up a little bit more of the background, get a little bit more strength, a little bit more of the meat of the history and the word uh, to understand. So the king of Judah, uh, we know at the time period, uh, it was uh, Jehoiakim because verse 1 tells it was Jehoiakim. Um, this would have taken place uh, in 605 B.C. You had the, the sieges. You had the three different ones, 605 B.C., 597 B.C., and 587 B.C. Uh, when the final one, 587 B.C., when uh, everybody's taken captive and hauled off to Jerusalem, hauled off to Babylon, uh, uh, Jeremiah's left for, to die, thrown into a pit and you have all these different things going. All right, so Jehoiakim, he was a wicked ruler in Judah. Judah was the southern territory of the nation of Israel. Israel, about 100, 100 I think 100, about 100 years before, 150, 120 years before. Israel, the northern kingdom, was destroyed by the Assyrians uh, because of their um, sin. Um, but Jehoiakim is now this wicked king. And what did he do that was so evil? Um, let me back up to this first because it's really going to start to connect over now. Okay, so in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2, let's pull that up on the screen again so everybody can see it. Look again what it says. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. Do not forget that because right now, this world, especially the Western world, is full of the most wicked rulers we have ever known from Canada, Australia, New Zealand, um, pretty much Europe, definitely the United States, bad, bad rulers. Uh, go ahead and point your finger at China and Russia all you want, but the reality of it is here in the Western world, we have some very wicked rulers. But when the righteous are in authority, hey, there's rejoicing, but not so when the wicked are in authority. I'm going to show you just how bizarre things are going on right now, not with the president, not with anything political, but in the religious sense to show you how twisted people's minds are. And then what was going on at the days of Jehoiakim. So this is what's going on right now. I want you to think of the Western leaders, the Western media, Hollywood and everything else, and then we throw in religion. Check this out. University of Notre Dame to host event on queer holiness, queer holiness. So you, you start looking at this, you're going, what is this about? But really, as we watch everything that is taking place right now, uh, it really shouldn't surprise any of us, at least you know, I don't really think it should surprise um, any of us. Check this out. I'm going to read this to you from Romans chapter 1, and not the passage you usually go to. Listen to this. In verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. What do they do? They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Wow. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Wow. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's happening. And then you take it to the religious realm. So there, Notre Dame, you got a Catholic university. Um, and then, so there's a major, major problem in between uh, Catholicism and Protestant churches right now. Uh, many of you have seen that. It's been the study, actually from several months ago, but I had a midweek on it just the other day, and it's been all over the news. Only 4% of Americans believe have a biblical worldview, and then you start to see something like this coming out of the University of Notre Dame. It is no wonder. Okay, so they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Let me ask you, is that happening right now? Come all this unrighteous, evil stuff that's taking place. Suppress the truth. 
What's been going on with January 6th? By the way, if I get cut off here on this one particular channel, I'm on, I'm on the app and on the website. So, yeah, so don't worry about it. Just go over there. But what happened on January 6th? So now the truth is coming up, but the truth has been suppressed in unrighteousness. You guys already know that. Among so many other things that are coming out uh, where we know what the truth is. Um, just over and over and over again. And so you look at this with Notre Dame to host a event on queer holiness. What is that? You know, well, what in the world is really going on? We're going to see. Okay, let me move through a few scriptures here. What was going on with Jehoiakim? What did he do? Jeremiah was talking about Jehoiakim in Jeremiah chapter 22. This is what he's talking about here. Look at this. Let's pull this up on the screen. Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by injustice, who uses his neighbor's service without wages. Um, he, gets his, he, he, he builds. He, he doesn't pay people. He, he's getting the free labor. He's treating people like slaves and so forth. Right here, Jeremiah is talking about none other than Jehoiakim. All right, I'm going to show you another verse. And then we're going to break this down. Again, this is also Jeremiah speaking to Jehoiakim. Yet your eyes and your heart are for nothing but your covetousness, for the shedding of innocent blood, and practicing oppression and violence. Think lawlessness abounding. All right, not done yet. This is also about Jehoiakim. Second uh, Kings chapter uh, 23, verse 34. So Jehoiakim gave the silver and gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land to give money according to the command of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and gold from the people of the land. Think of, do you know of anybody that is taxing the people and giving that money to other nations? Could, you, could it be? Yeah. Um, like taxing you and giving the money to the UN. Taxing you and giving the money to perverted things. Taxing you. Uh, giving the money to abortion, taxing you, giving the money to fight wars that we know just now seem to be more evident than ever. This isn't about winning. This isn't about victory. This has nothing to do with righteousness. It looks like what it's about is the destruction of America as we know it. Um, I mean, you... How are we going to fight a war in Ukraine, giving all of our billions of dollars, your tax dollars, uh, China and Taiwan? Uh, you, know, you start looking across the board, there's some very disturbing things that are, that are taking place. We also know uh, with ancient Judah, at the time when God was using Nebuchadnezzar to judge Judah, um, as Daniel is giving us the insight and Jeremiah and the other prophets, we also know that many of the kings, what they do? They sacrificed babies. They worshiped other gods. They turned the nation from the true God and to commit sins that the pagans commit. What do we see happening in the Western world? Again, I, I should say the United States because uh, I, I had some, I, I asked people in Canada and, and uh, Australia to send me info if they're as show me if you guys are as woke as the United States is. Um, I don't know if any place is as woke and as evil as the United States is, but it's coming from the president. It's coming from the White House. It's coming from the governors. It's coming from the judges. It's coming from the school districts. It's coming on those that are supposed to be leading us in what is righteous, but we have wicked leaders and we are groaning. And as it was, uh, in the days of Jehoiakim, he gave, he, he gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land to give money according to the command of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and gold from the people of the land. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 21, I'm going to show you this in just a second, tells us in part uh, of one of the kings who came uh, before Jehoiakim, Manasseh. Uh, and you can search the kings and you'll find a certain pattern of wickedness uh, that, that seems to follow them. But this is what 2 Kings chapter 21, in fact, all of the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, were evil. Uh, some of the kings of Judah, the southern kingdom, uh, were righteous. You have Josiah and some others. 
um, Hezekiah and some others in the southern kingdom. If you ever hear of a, here's something easy to remember, if you hear of a righteous king in ancient Israel or Judah, you know that they were in Judah, because the northern kingdom, Israel, had zero. So it would have been one of the kings of the southern kingdom. Um, but with that, check this out. God spoke of blessing the Jews, 2 Kings chapter 21. This is what he said uh, through uh, in Kings. If they are careful to do according to all that I have commanded them, I'll bless them. That's what he's saying here. I'll bless them. However, he says this is what they did. They paid no attention in uh, Manasseh seduced them to do more evil. Okay, I want you to think of this with Manasseh, seduced them to do more evil. You start thinking, what are we told? I mean, literally, what is coming out of the White House? What is coming out of our governors? Here, here in the state of California, the governor of California, this is how wicked it is to do more evil, advertises in other states here in America, hey, if you want to uh, change your gender, basically run away from your home, come to the state, get, get on a bus all by yourself, no matter how old you are. Get on a bus if you're a kid, if you're a child. Get on a bus, come to California. We won't, we'll help you. We'll cut off your private parts. We'll pay for the whole thing. Your parents aren't gonna know anything. That's, the, listen, this is absolutely evil. And let me tell you, the governor of California is not the only evil person that's running things here in America. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. It is absolutely wicked. So Manasseh, he seduced the people to do more evil, sacrificed babies in the Hinnom Valley, by the way. Uh, let's go here. Second uh, Kings chapter 21, continuing. Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he has acted more wickedly than all the Amorites and has also made Judah sin with his idols. Okay, I want you to look at that for just a minute. He's acted more wickedly than all the Amorites and made Judah sin with idols. So when you start thinking about it from America, what's happened here? We've done more wickedly. There's more perverted things shipped out of America than any other nation in the world, shipped to other places the things that are done here. You could look at America and say, okay, America began with Judeo-Christian principles, but where are we now? We're acting more wicked than any other pagan nation in the history of the world. Absolutely wicked. Again, you start thinking of these things that are being taught in the schools. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Continuing 2 Kings chapter 21, Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity, Babylon. So although the king of Babylon and, the, and Pharaoh in Egypt and uh, king, uh, what's his name, Jehoiakim might not think uh, God's doing this. No, God says, I'm bringing the king of Babylon. I am bringing, I'm going to use the king of Babylon as my instrument to judge this wickedness. Behold, I am bringing such calamity, Babylon, upon Jerusalem and Judah. I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish wiping it and turning it upside down. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood. Wow. Check this out, right? Let's connect some more dots. Got to have the meat of the words. Jeremiah chapter 36. So we have all of this going on. In fact, let me connect it just this way, all right? So this is what we've seen so far. Um, the people are overtaxed. And their tax dollars are given to another nation. Um, they're overtaxed. And their tax dollars are given to do perverted, wicked, pagan practices and personal pursuits. Even building their own mansions, their own houses. Um, they have evil uh, and injustice that they are doing, taking advantage of the people. This is just what we read in the verses. Greed and oppression upon the people. They cause, remember violence? I said, remember that lawlessness? They cause lawlessness, violence to abound for their own personal greed. And these are the verses that we just read. Um, they plan to do all the evil they can. 
They shed innocent blood. Then you read something like this. We, we recently finished the book of Micah, but I want to read this before I share another verse to you from Jeremiah. In Micah chapter 2, Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds. At morning light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields and take them by violence. Also houses, and they seize houses from people. It's talking about the leaders of Israel. They, so they oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. We hear now this talk, well, you're not going to be able to pass on any inheritance to your kids, not just because of the tax dollars, but because of digital currency and so forth. Klaus Schwab says, you'll own nothing and, and be happy. We can see it coming now, can't we? We can see what their plan is. Let's get into endless wars. Let's just print up so much money, we collapse the economy. We have to take everybody's money out of the bank and say, you don't have any money. Oh, by the way, you have a house and you still owe money on it and you have no money in the bank. We're foreclosing on you. We can see the direction that, that these wicked people are going with this. And that's, this is what Micah says. This is what Jeremiah says. This is what 2 Kings says. So this is the environment that Daniel is called to live in, by the way. He's suffering. Daniel's a good guy. He loves God. And he is suffering, and him and his friends, and the people in, Israel, in, in Judah that love God, they're caught up in the mess. And you and I are caught up in this mess. Very troubling to see, but be strengthened because we're not the first people. Okay, now to go through things. Now check this out. Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 20. And they went to the king, into the court. This is Jehoiakim. Jeremiah chapter 36 is talking about the same king that Daniel is writing about. Listen to this. This is when the king destroys the word. And they were told all the words in the hearing of the king. So the king sent Jehudi to bring the scroll, and he took it from Elishima, the scribe's chamber, and Jehudi read it in the hearing of the king and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month with a fire burning on the hearth before him. And it happened when Jehudi, or Yehudi, I should say, had read three or four columns that the king cut it with the scribe's knife and he cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments, the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words. So here with Jehoiakim, the word is read, he hates the word. He cuts it up. He, has it, he commands it gets cut up into pieces and thrown into the fire. I don't want to hear the word. Nevertheless, Elnathan, Delea, and Gamariah implored the king not to burn the scroll, but he would not listen to them. And the king commanded uh, Jeremiel, the king's son, Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shemliah, the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch, the scribe of Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord hid them. And then Jeremiah rewrote the scroll. And then eventually Jeremiah gets caught and he gets thrown into a pit. But, but we can see what's going on. Um, Jeremiah is warning Jehoiakim that God was going to judge him and Judah. It was bad news. Jehoiakim did not want to hear about judgment from God. I don't want to hear about it. All the wicked stuff that we already saw, right, that we already referenced that they were doing, we see going on in America. We're sounding the alarm. Hey, you guys in Washington, you guys in the different states, you guys at the court levels, you guys that are in school districts, you guys who have the power of a school district and you are inviting in transgenderism stuff, putting tampons in boys' restrooms and stuff, you're going to be judged, and you better repent of the wickedness that you are doing. I, I look around. Uh, these people just praise each other. That's what they do. They are oblivious. They hate this. How many school me board meetings have you seen where somebody gets up there and quotes from the Bible, and man, people just get livid over that. When you quote something like, hey, listen, as Jesus said, 
it would be better for you if a millstone was hung around your neck and thrown into the bottom of the sea than to harm one of these little ones. They don't want to hear it. They continue with their harm. So you start looking at this. So this is what Jeremiah is saying. They don't want to hear it. To the point where King Jehoiakim, he cuts up the word of God and he has it thrown into the fire. So what's God do? He brings Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 36, beginning in verse 5. Jehoiakim did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against him and bound him in bronze fetters to carry him off to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also carried off some of the articles from the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in his temple at Babylon. Again, listen, you got to remember this. God is on the throne. He was sovereign in this. God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to use Nebuchadnezzar to come against Judah. I have a caution for you guys especially for Americans. And, you know, if you're any part of the other part of the world, you look at America, Western world, or I know we have viewers all over Africa that watch. Um, we have uh, viewers, um, goodness, it's, it's everywhere. And it's just, uh, real, it's, it's a blessing to see. But at the same time, I mean, you guys look at America and Americans tend to think, well, we're Americans, therefore. Uh, this, so this is a warning to Americans. If, if you're an American, you believe that you're a Christian and God's not going to judge America, I promise you, you're mistaken. America does not exist in the last day's prophecies. But here's something else I'm going to caution you about. I don't know when the rapture is going to take place. I believe the rapture is imminent. We always need to be ready. Could happen today. Praise God. Could happen tomorrow. Praise God. It's going to happen. I don't know when. Okay, But here's what I know. If God judged his people, Israel and Judah, his people that he had a covenant with, he brought in the Babylonians, he brought in the Assyrians at a time when you had people who loved God that were part of both of those territories, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Micah, Jeremiah. Start looking. These people loved God, yet God still judged them. And the people who loved God we're caught up in the consequences and the suffering. And if you're an American and you're thinking, um, that's never going to happen here, we're, we're Americans, I, what do you base that on? Because if you look at the history of the Bible and what God has always done, well, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is full of mercy. He is full of compassion. He's full of grace. And then... And then I have friends who tell me, hey, there's too many Christians here in America. Well, you saw the stats. Only 4% actually have biblical worldview. Does that mean some are kind of Luke, are, are Christians, but um, just not on fire? It's only the ones who really believe God that are on fire for the Lord, but these other ones are still saved, but just not on fire. That aren't part of the 4%? I don't know, man. I'm just saying we got trouble. And we need to be alert and we need to be awake to what is really going on. Um, I mean, think of some of the absurd, let me go through some of the absurdity, okay? Here, let me go back to Romans chapter 1, different verse. I'm going to read this to you. Tell me, this just doesn't speak to absurdity of our leaders and it should help us all to see where we are right now, okay? Romans chapter 1, I'm going to read it to you. Let me turn over there. Got a Bible you can follow along says here, let's see, verse 22. This after, okay, oh, let, me, let, let me back up. Um, because, verse 21, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful and became futile in their thoughts and in, in their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of incorruptible God uh, into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the light and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Okay, there's so many different things in here. I'm only going to focus on just this one thought here. In verse 22, New King James, professing to be wise, they became fools. You read, I, I encourage you to read it in various uh, Bible versions. Um, uh, 
they're exposed to be absolute fools. Um, they are in, uh, professing to be wise. They are insane. I think that's a great description of what we, how we would describe what's going on with our leaders right now. Professing, we've got all wisdom. We worship the, cre- uh, the creature, the, the creation, right, rather than the creator. Um, it's insane some of the things that are happening. Look at this. This, this is, I mean, people, here's what's amazing. People actually believe this nonsense. Look at this. Hillary Clinton, what she say? Ukraine conflict shows climate change primarily affects women. This is such nonsense. Can't she ever go away? Yes, she is going to go away. The day will come when she will go away. But I look at this and think that is such utter nonsense, and people actually believe it. Check this out. You, uh, Hillary, who, who uh, works with volunteers with us, think, uh, she got this picture at a store today. Apparently, you have sourdough, these are some kind of crackers called Moonshot. All right, can you see that Moonshot? Climate-friendly crackers. Let me give you a close-up of that. Can't miss this. Climate-friendly crackers. These people are insane, completely insane. They've lost their minds. Professing to be wise, I'll show them to be fools. Three times in Romans chapter 1, God says, I will give them over to a reprobate mind. This nation has been given over to leaders with a reprobate mind. This next thing I'm going to read to you, I'll show it to you. It really will help you to understand the nonsense uh, uh, that, that we are witnessing right now in this world. Why are we witnessing such nonsense? We're going to get into that answer in just a minute because it has to do with Ashpenaz, the head of the eunuchs, and what is really going on. Then I'll take your questions. Check this out. Read, read this. You can take a screenshot of it, too. Um, this is hyperbole, but it really um, says where we are in this world. So proud of our six-year-old son. He's come out as a pirate. We've known since he was two months old. Known what? He should be a pirate, Right? Children's Hospital agreed to pop out an eye for his patch, slice off a hand for his hook, and saw off a leg for his peg leg. His pronouns are P and irate. There you go, pirate. We are so proud. His choice. That is great because it describes where we are. The absurdity, the foolishness, Friends, we have been given over, and it is just absolutely wicked. All right, I want to get to uh, the end of this and take your questions here. So let's go here. Final thing, this will be pretty quick, because we'll be able to revisit this and build from here next week. So I'll make this quick. So number one, it's when the kings of God were evil. Number two, it's when the things of God were stolen. So real quick, again, I'm not going to spend any time here, really. Uh, but uh, the things of God, the treasuries of the temple, uh, and the people of Judah. Both of those things of God were stolen and taken to Babylon. Okay, now, with that, let me, let, let me just point out the obvious with Ashpenaz and connect it to where we are right now. Um, here in Daniel chapter 1, let me go back here. Daniel chapter 1. The king, verse 3, that'd be Nebuchadnezzar, instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. In other words, you're going to be completely brainwashed in everything regarding the uh, Chaldeans, the, the Babylonians. Now, I want you to think of this. So this Ashpenaz, the head of the eunuch. So uh, what's a eunuch? Listen, this is pretty simple. It's a man who has been castrated. So he's been castrated. Why? So he can serve in the king's court. Uh, think through this. As such, the king doesn't have to worry about his eunuchs having relationships with his women, nor will the eunuchs be distracted by other women so they can serve the king wholeheartedly. Um, This is what is happening today. They are literally 
causing men to be eunuchs. And they're doing it under this term, transgenderism. Well, you're really meant to be a girl. You're really meant to be a boy. You were meant to be a cat. You were meant to be a monkey. You were meant to be a dog. You were meant to be a giraffe. You know, whatever. I mean, uh, you're meant to be a fish, whatever it is. Um, so again, going back to California, telling people, come over to California. We'll we will castrate your sons. We will make them eunuchs. Why? Because you become, at that point, you become a subject of your master. Right now, when a person goes to that place, you're you, you cross a line mentally and emotionally, you've crossed this place, the Rubicon, that you are now subjecting yourself to all of those voices that you hear, submit to me, and these things are of the devil, and these are very, very, very wicked and evil men that are that are doing this, that are, that are taking our kids. The same thing is happening today. So the devil knows this. The Klaus Schwab's know this. I have no doubt even the Gavin Newsom's here, governors. Um, listen, doctors know this. Psychologists know this. You can figure it out. So it's humiliating, but you're already believing the lying science, and then you take that step, you'll no longer be the same, you will mentally have crossed the Rubicon where you will subject yourself to all of the lies that they tell you on The View and everywhere else. And it is, um, it's horrible. It's happening in the schools. Um, it's just amazing. In school districts with elementary kids, this is happening to them. These people are evil that just even go down this place to do this to children. Just absolutely evil. Um, but once indoctrinated, this is what happens with them here in Daniel. Once indoctrinated, it's happening right, brainwashed, that's what's happening. Once you're at that place, you are easily manipulated by any evil thing that they want you to do. You, 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 they own you. And they'll use you. And you'll do anything. You'll, you'll, you'll be brainwashed. You'll, be, you'll, you'll become their puppet. Um, whatever they want you to do. It's awful. Um, what was happening in the days of Daniel, it is happening on such a large scale right now that it's happening again in so many different ways. From the ways that the politicians of that day did things with their greed, with their violence, laying in bed at night, coming up with a plan how to destroy these people's lives so I can take what they got. We can see what's going on with the economy. Uh, we hear that they say, you'll own nothing and like it. We can see how people are being manipulated and brainwashed. It's absolutely awful. At the same time, friends, I want to remind you of this. Do not lose heart. Do not turn to the left or right. Know this. In the midst of all this is Daniel. In the midst of all this is Jeremiah. In the midst of all this is the other prophets. They stayed strong. And so will you. If you stay in the word, do not be manipulated. Don't be swayed to the right. Don't be swayed to the left is what Joshua tells us. Don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, but meditate upon his word. There's so much deception that is out there. You will be deceived, you'll be tricked, you'll be fooled if you get out of the word. You'll be discouraged, you'll become despondent, your anxiety will increase if you turn from the word. Listen, we have the written word. God told us exactly how things were going to go in the last days. So, listen, um, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Listen, I just realized I went a whole hour. So I, I, I didn't realize that. Um, I went so long. I feel bad about that now. Um, so, man, you guys stuck with me for a full hour. Are you guys crazy? What's the matter with you? But, uh, yeah, I was going to take some questions. I, I see a few things on here. I'd love to take a, a few questions. Um, hey, uh, let's see. So, all right. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to go. All right. God bless you guys. 
Um, I'll be with uh, Jan Markell tomorrow. Um, what else we got? Lee Brainerd Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, Brett Metter. I have an update, a uh, couple of updates I'm probably going to be doing this week. And, um, and uh, okay, okay here, here's a couple of questions. All right, let me deal with them. I did get them in in time just before I signed off. Let me do my screenshot so they don't go away. All right, question. Um, Pastor Tom, my question is, in your opinion, is there an appointed time that God has set that he ends the time of grace for all people to be received in the rapture? Um, I, I don't know. I go back and forth with different friends who have different views. Uh, Olivier Milnick believes the time of the fullness of the Gentiles doesn't actually happen until the end of the tribulation period. Uh, and then all Israel will be saved because that's when Jesus comes back at Armageddon. And we do see people being saved out of every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. I tend to think a little bit different than that, that, um, that it's somewhere at the beginning of the tribulation period when the time of the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Um, however, Olivier has a point because during the tribulation, there will be Gentiles that are saved as well as Jews that are also going to be saved. So I have other friends that say, as soon as the last Gentile gets saved, the rapture is going to happen. I don't believe that's what Romans chapter 11 is a reference to. Uh, but there is a fullness of the Gentiles that has come. I've believed it for a long time that what this is inferring is with the uh, fullness of the Gentiles come, then all Israel will be saved. It's what, when God turns to start working with the nation of Israel again, the 70th week of Daniel, the final seven-year period. Listen. The 70th week of Daniel is just that. Uh, the first 483 years, right, the first 69 weeks, that was about the, God working with the nation of Israel. God says there's one more week, 70 weeks, Daniel, one seven-year period. Again, it's about Israel. It's, it's about the Jews. So I believe it's at that point, at the beginning of the tribulation period, that the attention is given to the Jews to wake up the people. The world's going to be judged uh, it's to shake up the world and to wake up the people. In that process, there will be Gentiles that will be saved, and there's going to be Jews that are saved also. But So I lean toward it's the beginning of the tribulation period. Some of my friends like Olivier say, no, it's actually at the end of the tribulation period because it's then when all Israel is saved, when Jesus returns, when they look up to the sky and they shout, uh, Lord, save us, as Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 23, and the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 12. So uh, just those couple of different opinions there. Uh, Ricky says, Earhart, is there 144,000 Jewish men uh, available now to fulfill the prophecy? Absolutely. So uh, some of my colleagues believe it's, it's uh, these Jewish virgin men are um, boys, they're just boys. That could very well be true. I mean, look at Josiah was king, I think, when he was, what, six years old or something like that? Uh, so when you start looking at uh, something like that, and you think, well, that's really interesting. Could it be 144,000 Jewish boys that, that, get, that are saved and they start proclaiming the things of God? Listen, God can do remarkable things. David was probably quite young when he was called by God. You start looking at it and going, very interesting. Um, but even at that, let's say they're older. Let's say they're, let's say they're 20 years old um, across the board. Just say that. Within the Haredi community, the, uh, the, 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 the Jews that you see that you know, get the black hats and, and wear all black, um, have the long curls and so forth. Within the Haredi community, they have a whole lot of babies, but they also, which they're populating, 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 they're like modern-day Apostle Paul's when he was Saul, right, before he saved. He's, he's persecuting the genuine believers in Christ um, because he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So you have similar dynamic. The Haredi do not believe Jesus is the Messiah. But they're studying the, the Old Testament all day long. They're studying the Torah. So, and with that, they also have very strict, very strict rules on what relationships are going to be like. You know, you ain't having sex, you know what I mean, before you get married, it ain't going to happen. So, um, with the, at least not right, I mean, if you're staying within the rules, and they're pretty tough on it. So, you start looking at it going, how many Haredi there are in the world? There's a lot. 144,000 Jewish males, absolutely. Uh, there definitely are, especially if you start looking at it in the sense of boys. 
Uh, Cindy says, please give me your thoughts on the Jesus Revolution movie. I'm struggling with it very much. Thanks, Pastor Tom. Um, Cindy, I've not seen the Jesus Revolution movie. So, um, uh, so there you go. I uh, don't know what else to tell you. Uh, most of you don't know this, but it was about uh, Greg Laurie, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith, and Lonnie Frisbee primarily. I know about that. But with that, um, I was uh, saved through the Calvary Chapels, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith's church. I was attending right when I got saved back in the late 1980s. Um, I then went on staff. I became an elder at Greg Laurie's church, and then I became a pastor, uh, uh, one of assistant pastor at Greg Laurie's church. So I know the movement very well, but I've not seen the movie, so I can't comment on the movie. Uh, let's see. If Christianity, uh, cause, this is from cause, if Christianity in the Western world of America continues to diminish, the rapture harvest will be a small percentage of the population. If that's the case, oh, I can't read the rest of the question. I didn't catch it all. Um, so sorry about that. I missed it. Um, miss the rest of your question. So, okay. Um, let's see, Juan, Pastor, what do, what do I do when I keep praying and I don't feel nothing and my mind wanders to another random thoughts even when I rebuke it in the name of Jesus? Um, let's see. You, this is what I would encourage you to do. Get, uh, play worship music. That's what helps me is to uh, play worship music and do everything I can to not be distracted and to get out the Word. Sometimes it takes me a while. i got to read the Word and read it and read it before I can get my mindset and not be distracted. Write down uh, your, your, prayer, your prayers before you even pray them, at least the things, to, I should say, the things to pray about before you pray them. Or what Chuck Smith used to say, this is what he would do because he'd get distracted. He'd have a note of paper. He'd, he'd sit there in his prayer time, and as a random thought would pop in his mind to distract him, he would write down that random thought so he could then forget about it and go back to it after he's done praying. So uh, just a couple of, uh, a little bit of a, um, a practical advice. Okay, let's see. This question, Vindog, did you hear about the Silicon Valley Bank collapsing on purpose? Uh, Vindog, I'd love to talk to you about that later. Listen, I'm, I, so here's the deal. I've got some info on Silicon Valley Bank that I just am not really wanting to share publicly yet. But uh, very interesting things going on. So with that, listen, this is what I want to encourage you to do. Vin, Vinny, we'll talk later. Um, probably not tonight, though, because I, I need to rest. So, um, but listen, you guys, um, stay focused on the Lord. Do not turn from the left or the right. And remember this, Jesus said, when you see these things begin to take place, what did he tell you to do? Look up, lift up your head with expectant joy because your redemption draws near. The day will come when we will be going home. In the meantime, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And see you tomorrow, Jan Markell tomorrow, Lee Brainerd Wednesday, Brett Metter on Wednesday. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.